what are the ways, what are the structures, the tools and the narratives that one country can use when it's trying to erase another one? It's a very grim, it's a very dark question, I understand, but this is a question we can ask when we talk about Palestine. So the concept of erasure, which is not a political science concept or nothing so clearly defined, let's say, in social sciences, but that's why it becomes a powerful tool, a very good prism that we can use when we analyze what's happening in Palestine. So yes, I would like to welcome you to my episode number eight. What? Yes of my mini, that's kind of turning into macro by now, series within my podcast. What do we talk about when we talk about Palestine? And yes, I know that having eight episodes on anything can be a bit, whoa, discouraging and intimidating perhaps for you to start listening to any of them. But I wanted to say that you can listen to them separately, like on their own. But if you do listen to them in a row, it provides a more well put together overview of my analysis of what is happening in Palestine. So thank you for being here. Thank you for caring. Thank you for wanting to know how we can approach this. And it's always, I think, more meaningful than you might think. Like you wanting to educate yourself on this topic, you wanted to consume something about Palestine, and hopefully you wanting to share something afterwards to speak out against something that we should have been speaking out very loudly for over 70 years. So I want to say that I'm very grateful for you listening to this. And now, let me begin. So why this concept of erasure and how do I choose to address it even? Because it's, it's a bit vague when you think about it, I understand. So why a very sad reason, uh, well, many reasons why I'm recording my episodes are usually pretty sad. I, I understand the very sad reason, and it's a reason that what we're seeing in Palestine now, or just like during Ramadan, before I eat, now it's the end of Ramadan as I'm recording it, we've been seeing again, just like last year and the year before and the year before. And yes, the year before, we saw an escalation of state violence, state-sponsored violence, we can say, from the Israeli side. In the media, it was portrayed as clashes, but I'll talk about in my episode why that is very much incorrect. But so people were being, well, worshippers were being attacked, really. <laughs> like, Al-Aqsa was being stormed. Al-Aqsa is a, is a major holy site uh, for uh, Muslims. So that was being stormed, was being raided. People were just removed from places. Uh, very violently we saw some videos and i'm putting them in the very description of my episode which is like a small article so all these sources are there we saw elderly being attacked you know violently journalists being like punched and kicked and just threatened kids uh disabled people like you name it so what we were seeing last year basically but without that heavy heavy horrible bombing of gaza that happened last year if you remember that This year, Israel was bombing Gaza, but not much. So you probably didn't hear about it much in the media or at all. And so as I was seeing this, I was thinking, okay, yes, I do have many episodes recorded on everything. And some of these concepts will come together today. But erasure comes to mind for two reasons. 
So one is the erasure in terms of the very story, even the origins of this conflict, which is, you know, the creation of the state of Israel, to how the media is approaching everything now. So there's erasure in the narrative, and there's obviously erasure in the intent of what Israel as a state, what its government is doing, what its policies are. So seeing the escalation of violence was really just a catalyst for me to say, you know what, I think we should talk about this. This is a, a useful tool for us to have when we're analyzing what's happening. So let me do it now. Let me go a little bit more deeply into what I've just mentioned, give you some examples. So you have a better idea of what not only why I chose this, erasure is a weird topic, but why it's actually useful for us and what we can get when we use it as a framework. So a couple of areas where I would like you to notice where that erasure happens. And one broad area, the first one I'd like to cover, is the very story, the origin story of Palestine, of this conflict, and how the media shows it now. But so the very origins, there's a very interesting thing that I would like you to notice, and it's something that it took me an embarrassingly long time to notice myself, is how the creation of the state of Israel and the exodus, you know, the war, really, the war that happened, and all the 700,000 Palestinian refugees that were forced to leave their homes, how their story is shown and how it becomes a, a subjectless story in a way. What do I mean by that? So two things. One, I invite you to notice how in some articles, in how some humanitarian aid organizations show it, what are the photos, what are the visuals used to tell the story of the Palestinian refugees? And very often we see photos of, you know, people leaving, people walking somewhere with suitcases, you know, a line of people just walking through some natural areas, you know, whatever images you've seen. And we never see, or we very rarely see, the cause, so the subject of Who's doing that to the Palestinians? We don't see photos of destroyed villages. We don't see photos of Israeli soldiers posing in places of massacres. We don't hear about it that much, right? People just left, and it really sucks to say, but if someone asks now, oh, let's say the Ukrainian refugees, oh, they're leaving, they're walking, they're taking the trains. Look, it's the story of them leaving. And if that story omitted why, what's happening, why are the people leaving, why are they choosing to leave their homes and all their belongings, surely something horrible must be happening. They're escaping something. And what that something is, is very often omitted, really. We don't talk about massacres, we don't talk about rapes, we don't talk about villages that are destroyed completely so people cannot come back. You know, and I understand people leave their homes not only because of the actual violence, it can be the threat of violence, it can be uh, rumors of violence coming, and that's exactly how it was in Palestine. So some villages were actually destroyed, uh, people were threatened. So you either leave because the enemy, a militia, let's say, an army is here, or because you think they might be coming and you might get killed, and you leave. And visually, that's represented very much like People are walking, people are going somewhere, look, Palestinian kids in refugee camps. And it, it becomes very easy not to think 
what happened there. So not only it's the erasure, but it's the very erasure of erasure. The fact that that erasure happened. People just left their homes. Okay, that's that's interesting. So that's how sometimes the media presents it, or in some articles, books, maybe websites that you know claim to be about history, whatever. But also, and that's directly related to that, we know that the Israeli state has its own deliberate policies to classify the documents that describe the killings, the murders, the rapes, the burning of villages, the war. A lot of that is still classified, and I'm linking to a very good resource, which is an investigative journalism piece that Haaretz, which is an Israeli uh, media outlet, did on those documents. It's obviously not the only research on the active hiding of the crimes, but it's a good one. So it's not by chance that that narrative is not very explored. It's by design. The second part of this erasure that I'd like you to notice, erasure of the very story of Palestine, what's happening there, uh, we look for it in the media nowadays. So not only how the origin is presented, but how the whole story is presented, and interestingly, what's not presented. And I know, yes, I have a whole episode on just that, on the media situation when it comes to covering Palestine, and erasure is, again, a very powerful tool to use. Why? Because we have to notice several things. One, how much is talked about, and then how it's talked about. As I was saying in my previous episode as well, we have to notice, which is something very difficult, the silence itself. How much is reported? What's not reported? And it's difficult. It's difficult to notice a lack of something. I understand but very simple and very, very, very tragic examples. If a kid throws a stone at the tank of an occupying army and gets shot in the stomach and dies, which is a very recent story from Palestine, not the only one, kids get killed literally every week by the occupiers in Palestine, does that make the news? Where does it make the news? Does it really? Not the mainstream media. Usually a lot has to happen for the media to cover broadly what's happening in Palestine. And this is where we can also say, okay, so who is even entitled to resistance? We know that when, um, once again, a very fresh example, people in Ukraine resist. They, they are allowed to resist the occupier, a military occupation, a brutal war. But when Palestinians do that, ah, we don't feel comfortable. Mm, not sure whether to support that resistance. And the media does not help us to support that resistance either. So one, what's shown, what's not shown. Another thing is how it's shown and what's omitted. And I have to say, I was just, I do that sometimes. I just Google very broad concepts on Palestine and see what uh, like major media outlets, what they're reporting on in that area at the moment. And now, the same thing like last year, I was Googling Gaza and uh, I believe it was a French media outlet. The first one that came up, I clicked on it and my goodness, once again, where does the story start? 
Hamas rockets. <laughs> yes, Hamas was shooting some rockets into Israel. And this is where the story started. And I have to say, it's it's impressive. It's really impressive how the media can present something and omit so much. You would think that the fact that Gaza is under siege would be mentioned. You would guess that the fact that Jerusalem is annexed, that the West Bank is militarily occupied, that Israeli soldiers were storming Al-Aqsa for like two weeks intensely. Illegal settlements, a military occupation, apartheid. This is, this is not a matter of opinion, but it's not in the article. And once again, if you're reading about any other conflict, well, it wouldn't be any other conflict, really, because it's a quite unique situation, what's happening in Palestine, I understand. But if you omit this context, you know, I, I encourage you to think of any, any conflict, any messed up situation when you do happen to know about, and imagine if the media was presenting it from just like, today, this is what's happening, you would be shocked, maybe. And, and I hope you are now, when you're seeing these really interesting articles about Palestine, and this is where that erasure happens as well. Erasure of parts of context. And by erasing that essential context, I think what the media does, and this is, this is very tragic, it also dehumanizes the Palestinians. Senseless violence, violent attacks. One side hates the other one. This is dehumanization. You're not portraying people as having the rights to dignity, to living in peace, not being occupied, not being under siege. And then whatever they do, it's weird. Maybe it's a cultural thing. Who knows that violence? Political violence. Resistance. That's why that erasure is so dangerous. And we have to point to it, we have to deconstruct it, and we have to undo it. The second part of this erasure, where do we find it? Well, we do find it in the intent of the Israeli state policies. And I've talked about it. It's not new. Since I recorded my last episode on Palestine, we had two more reports coming out saying that, yes, it is apartheid that we're seeing. And one report was by Amnesty International, finally we can say. And one was released rather recently by the Harvard Law School's International Human Rights Clinic, which sounds like a big deal. And to relate that to the media silence, we know that the New York Times didn't report, didn't even mention Amnesty's report for, what, over 50 days or something? It completely disregarded it. Like, it's a big deal, right? Amnesty International accuses, let's say, a country of having policies that constitute the crime of apartheid and you don't say anything about it. So the media silence once again. So we know now, we kind of knew it for a long time, that yes, it is this apartheid, yes, ethnic cleansing is happening, so removing, removing Palestinians still from their lands, from East Jerusalem, you know, various neighborhoods, just demolishing villages, demolishing individual houses, or when Palestinians have to demolish their houses themselves, 
otherwise they pay a big fine. So people are being literally still, still evicted from their homes. Also, in a very, very grotesque way, we saw Israel saying, hey, Jewish, I believe, Ukrainian refugees, come to Israel, we'll make space for you. And, you know, it sounds lovely, like, yes, you should accept refugees, but also Israel has over 5 million now refugees that it could be accepting, which is the refugees that it, as a state, has created. So there's that layer of, wait, what? There, that we have to notice. And hey, that erasure, as I was mentioning now, recently, in the escalations of that state violence that we're seeing against Palestinians during Ramadan, just before Eid. Why erasure? Why would we call it like that? And the answer is simple, because it's inconvenient. Of course, it's inconvenient when the people that you are oppressing, the people who you've pushed violently, <laughs> and you're hiding the documents in which that violence is described, you push them violently out of their homes and they want, they want to take the public spaces, they want to be able to sit by the Damascus gate and, I don't know, like play cards, whatever. They want to go to Al-Aqsa and pray because it's a big deal. <laughs> and also it's a space for gatherings in general, for social activities. And you seeing so many Palestinians, yes, it is a reminder that these people are still here and they have not been erased and it's an inconvenience for you. You're still expanding your illegal under international law settlements. You're transferring your population to an annexed territory which is illegal under the international law. That's why the settlements are illegal in the first place. You're still... Your colonial practices are still active. So seeing the people you're trying to remove, the indigenous people are trying to remove from their lands, they're still here. And sometimes they're bombed, like in Gaza. They're daily humiliated, that's still happening. Children, women, elderly, journalists are being violently attacked, if not on a daily basis, on a weekly basis with impunity, so there's that intent, because mm, it's, oh, it's inconvenient, oh, they're still here, right? There's that intent to erase them, there's that intent to remove them, but they are still here. And as I'm recording this, once again, it's Aid. We know that people did get access to Al-Aqsa. We know that Christian Palestinians, they're Christian Palestinians, yes. Uh, they got denied their access to their holy sites in Jerusalem as well, but in the end people managed to reach them, or some of them at least. So although there's that erasure in the narrative and how the story is told, there's that erasure in other state policies as well, but I'm very glad that I can say that the people have not been erased still. And hopefully they will not be. So yes, when we take erasure and use it as some kind of a tool, we see a lot of fucked up things. But we also see the resistance. We also see the resilience. And people saying, we deserve our 
basic human rights, because rights, they don't have to be deserved really in the first place. We deserve to live in dignity and we are here. When just your presence somewhere is treated like a crime, being seen is an act of resistance in itself. We don't have to be in exactly the same situation as our Palestinian friends. We can condemn the erasure, we can condemn a military occupation, we can condemn apartheid, it shouldn't be difficult, and we can say that we will speak out, we will do something so that people don't get erased indeed. Not just in Palestine, but in Palestine as well. So thank you so much for being here, thank you for caring. It does mean a lot to me, and I hope to see you soon.